Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bechtel cast. Wow, here we are. My name is Jamie. And my name is Caitlin. And what you're about to hear is a bit of a Frankenstein of an episode about the movie Toy Story. Ever heard of it? That's right, because we recorded two different live shows about the same movie about toy story on our most recent east coast tour one was in philadelphia at good good Good. comedy theater and one was at the rockwell as a part of the women in comedy festival in boston uh, with our wonderful guest speedy ortiz's sadie dupree so uh thank you to everyone who came to those shows and i think we we've got the best of both to quote my lord and savior hannah montana (laughs) um uh, contained in today's episode yes so enjoy that but before we get to it we just have a few things to plug hot plugs speaking of live shows we've got another one right here in sunny los angeles yes we are going to be covering one of my favorite movies anastasia 1998 uh with anna saragina at the ruby on july 13th Mm -hmm. and And it's your birthday show it's my birthday show and it's also our last la live bechtel cast for several months so if you've been thinking about coming to a show and haven't done it yet this is the one to come to because it'll be a couple months before we're back and why is that well gee whiz tell me bitch i'll tell you (laughs) uh we're gonna be in uh europe for a bit of the summer i'm gonna be bringing my show boss whom is girl to london and then edinburgh fringe festival um, You're doing a whole dang month at Edinburgh. Doing every damn night for a whole month. So if you live there or you know anyone who lives there, please make them come to the show. I don't know anyone there. Uh, <laughs> and that's what, like, 1st of August through the 26th or something like that? So I'll be in London doing the show on July 27th and 28th mm-hmm. at the Bill Murray, yikes, in <laughs> London. So, and that's only five pounds to attend. <gasps> five pounds? Oh, five pounds, very affordable What's a bargain? so so please come there'll only be two london shows and then i'll be in edinburgh 
from July 31st to August 26th every damn night at 10.45 p.m. at Pleasant's Baby Grand, except for August 12th. So don't come on that. And my actual birthday is August 18th. So definitely come to that. That's the day to that's come. That's the one. And that's the European tea for me. Well, guess what, listeners? I will also be in Europe around this time. What if I didn't know? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <You're> oh, like <gasps> what? <laughs> I am joining up with Jamie in Edinburgh toward the end of August. Yes. I'm going to be doing some stand-up shows yes. at Fringe. Uh, I'm doing some shows in London. Yes. And who knows? Keep your eyes peeled for... Perhaps another live show. Perhaps that, we're that, in talks. Perhaps if you listen to this podcast and you may want to, you know, see us live in a particular city that may be but called f- London. But for the moment, you know, just get tickets <laughs> to everything to be safe. Right. And, and, and we'll keep, let you know when keep, we know. Keep checking our social medias and our website, BechtelCast.com, and click on the live tab because mm-hmm. we will put any and all show dates including live Bechtel cast if there ever were to be one of those yes and then also jamie's shows my shows all the the info will be there so we'll see you in la in july we'll see you in europe in august and we'll see you right now at our live toy story episode Wow. Wow. We take you to there infinity and, and beyond. Pictocast, <laughs> the questions asked, movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. What the fuck, guys? Who iced us? Oh my god. Mike's black cherry lemonade. That's a good flavor. That's in my Is top six or seven. Yeah. What? I'm sorry. There's more than t- there's Wait. there's a there's at least ten. Blood orange is number one, but that doesn't come in bottles. Anyways. Hey, welcome to the Bechdel cast. Welcome. Thanks for coming. What's up? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. We're back at the Women in Comedy Festival. Yes, we are. It's the best. We're in Boston. We've got the hometown advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Such a strange mix of people from all phases of my life here tonight. <laughs> my divorced parents are here together. <laughs> yeah, this is, well, the Women in Comedy Festival is special to us for a number of reasons, but it was also I believe our first ever live Bechtel cast show was at the Women in Comedy Festival two years ago. Yes. It was. And then 20 people came and uh-huh. no one knew where they were. <laughs> there was... So uh, clap if you have listened to the Bechtel cast before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was the free applause section. Now, the question we're curious about, clap just as enthusiastically if you have never listened to the show before and were brought here by a friend. Wow. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. So we will give you the rundown yes. on what to expect. So our podcast is a feminist movie podcast where we examine the representation of women in movies. Oof, not that good. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we use the Bechdel test as a jumping off point to right. initiate that conversation. And the Bechdel test is the media test invented by cartoonist Alison Bechdel that requires that in any piece of media there 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 be hmm. <laughs> pirate. Uh, <laughs> there are two female identifying characters with names who speak to each other about something other than a man. Sounds um, like it should be easy. But, but, but patriarchy. Uh, but the movie is a we're thing. talking about tonight, you know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're super, we're super psyched to be here, and I'm really, really happy to uh, bring out our guest. Yes, she is a writer, a poet. She is the guitarist, vocalist, and songwriter for the rock and roll. Ever heard of it? Uh, <laughs> The rock band Speedy Ortiz, it's yeah. Sadie Dupuis. Yeah! Yeah. Welcome. Hi, thanks, thanks for, for being here. Thank you yes. for being here. Hi. We're so psyched Boston. to talk. Uh, the city where dreams sometimes come half true and then you leave. That <laughs> sums it up for me, too. I love it. Love that about here. <laughs> So we're talking about Toy Story today. Yeah. By round of applause, has anyone not seen the movie Toy Story? Ooh. Yes. One person. Brave. Okay. Bravely okay. applauded. Okay, great. So we picked I a really, good movie. Yeah. No, I really, I always love the noise that the person who hasn't seen the movie chooses to make because it just is very, <laughs> there is a cowardly way to do it and a not cowardly way to do it. No, you owned it. Yeah, it I proud. loved You were like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> so, Sadie, tell us about your history, your relationship with the movie Toy Story. Yeah, I, I saw it in theaters. Mm. I think I'm probably the same age as the kids in Toy Story. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm like the target demographic for buying a Mr. Potato Head uh, in 1995. Mm -hmm. Loved the Randy Newman songs. Sure. Mm -hmm. Have gone to see the subsequent Toy Stories in theaters, but I don't think I've ever repeat watched any of them. Okay. Until last night. Jamie, what about you? I've seen it a million times. The first time I saw it, I don't know if I was fully forming memories yet. I feel like those are the kind of movies that fuck with your head the most. Mm -hmm. Like the ones that you don't even remember seeing for the first time and then you're like, oh, I internalize whatever fucked up thing happened in that one. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, I love all... It's not my favorite Pixar movie because I'm a Monsters Incorporated stan. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, I, mean, I, I feel like I, I'm just as attached to it as, as any kid. It's, yeah. it's good. What, what's your history with it? I guess I would have been nine when it came out, so I like saw it right away. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up with it, watched it quite a bit. Love Toy Story 3. I've never cried harder in my life except for the beginning of Paddington 1 and the end of Paddington 2. <laughs> but, uh, Toy Story 3, like in any other Disney movie, putting characters in a trash compactor <laughs> about to die a fiery hell death... <laughs> Would, I mean, in Toy Story, I feel like you're so emotionally attached yeah. that it's really sad. But in any other, like, underthought Disney franchise, it would be kind of funny. Like, if Beauty and the Beast were <laughs> in a trash compactor about to be lit on fire, I'd, I'd kind of be like, mm, maybe go for it. <laughs> 
so yeah, should I we just jump in with the recap? Let's do the recap. Okay, so we meet Andy. He is a young boy who loves playing with toys. He's very original. His favorite toy is Woody the cowboy. Yeah. He and then we meet various of Andy's other toys, Slinky, Rex, Bo Peep, Mr. Potato Head, Ham. 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 Yes. Oh, I like ham. He's got all male toys except for a piece of his lamp. <laughs> Which I never realized watching this movie yeah. before that Bo Peep How is, does she how does she detach? She would shatter, <sighs> right? Right. God. Like those three sheep are stuck together. Right. Why is she not on that lamp? And then, yeah, and then it's like she's porcelain because, mm-hmm. like, well, she's fragile, women are fragile. And delicate. They can't get down from the nightstand. <laughs> That's a problem I always have. God, relatable. <laughs> <laughs> and then we learn that all of these toys are alive. They are sentient. They have more complex emotions than I do. Uh, and that scene is still so fun. I don't know. I like, I know, obviously I know that the toys come to life. Yeah. Right. But I sort of forgot. And, <laughs> and then the moment where he shuts the door and then Tom Hanks is like, hello? Like it's, well, because the first scene, they're getting battered around violently, like lifeless toys. Yeah. And like, then suddenly, Potato Head's like, no more toddlers. Does that hurt them? I think it must. It must. On, on an emotional level, at least. Well, right. I was like, they can't bruise, but they do hurt. Do they have a nervous system? No. Th- but for they, sure, no. They have cognition. Like, this, how do you have a brain, but not a nerve? It's fine. I just have a lot of questions Mm -hmm. about the toys. Okay. So in a week from the day that we opened the story, uh, we learned that Andy's family is moving, but today is Andy's birthday party, which is concerning because all the toys are worried that Andy will receive gifts that are other toys that will be cooler and that will replace right. the existing toys. Yeah, and that like that whole like line of thinking, I feel like just generated a whole generation of child hoarders. Right? <laughs> because in theory, sharing is good <laughs> and like giving your toys away to someone else is in theory nice. Right. But in this universe, it makes the cowgirl sing a really sad song about you uh-huh. in the second movie. Yes. <laughs> but right. the toys are sitting there. We've got these like G.I. Joe stand-ins. I think they're called Combat Carls. Yeah. Ooh, they're okay. spying every toy that comes in on the birthday party. Right. And the toys upstairs are like judging what comes in. Potato Head's like, someone brings like bed sheets or something. Right. <laughs> Andy's like seven years old. Who brought bed sheets to his birthday party? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that goes underexplored. Unless they're Buzz Lightyear bed sheets. <laughs> which, <laughs> which we do see Andy having like a new bedspread. So that maybe is that's Buzz Lightyear. It. Th- but. But he changes the his like whole bed and the decor of his room a week before they move. I don't <laughs> think so. That's true. Yeah. What Plot mother would hole. allow it? Mom's just doing whatever it takes to get through that move with less yeah. crying children. <laughs> yeah. So everything seems fine at first during the birthday party, but then a surprise gift comes out. It turns out that it's a Buzz Lightyear figure. See, I like my version of the twist, which is that Tom Hanks peeks over the bed and he's like, oh my God, it's Tim Allen, a Republican! And he gets... 
really freaked out yeah. politically. Sure. Well, because there is what feels like a pretty complex power structure within the toy community. It's like a dictatorship. Well, it is. Have... Who, like, no one elected Woody. He's just the leader because he's Andy's favorite toy. There should be a democratic election. What are they doing? Well, they set Woody up in the opening scenes as this gregarious boss of all the toys. He's like, mm -hmm. if Michael Scott never fucked up. <laughs> But as soon as there's competition, Woody gets really sour. Yeah. I and mean, I guess the original direction of Toy Story was for Woody to be like a bully villain. They had Joss Whedon like doctor the script because Woody was too mean. And yet Ugh. he is still very mean. He's, and oh, he's a jerk. He still seen. attempts a murder yeah. in the movie. Right. And then probably casting Tom Hanks, they're just like, no one will notice. No one will remember the murder. I well, didn't. Tom Hanks was still, when they cast him, he was like not really quite famous yet. Like Forrest Gump came out after he'd already been cast. So he oh, was like a relative oh, unknown. Right, because huh. this was like a This is 91 that, that they cast him. Right. Yeah, because computer, uh, here, I'm, gonna, I'm about to say something very intelligent. Computer movie take a long time. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Had no idea. It just comes out of me sometimes. <laughs> but do you have a master's degree in screenwriting <laughs> from Boston University? I don't like to bring it up. So Buzz Lightyear shows up on the scene. He's this space ranger doll, and Woody goes and talks to him, and Buzz does not realize that he is a toy. He thinks he's like a real space ranger and then the other toys are like immediately very impressed with Buzz. Mm. Uh, Bo Peep is horny, although yeah, that is her immediately. Just, that's her resting face. <laughs> right. Bo Peep in this movie, like first of all, and we'll like really get into this later. She's the only female character, really, that like or the one who appears on screen the longest. Even though no woman in this movie has narrative impact, but the way she talks. It's like so horny that you don't really know what she's saying. She like it sounds she like she reminds me of Jessica Rabbit if she were drawn good. <laughs> mm. Right, she, like like a chaster, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like her mouth never fully closes, you know. She's like, "Oh, wait. Hey. I just want to hey. I'm just a couple of blocks away." <laughs> Which is a funny pun because we pun. see some of those like toy blocks. little wooden get toy. it really hilarious joke probably the lamp from is Joss horny. Whedon. So all the toys are obsessed with Buzz, and so is Andy. Mm -hmm. And it feels to Woody as though Andy might be replacing him with Buzz. Right. So he gets worried. Then the whole movie just turns into like a toy dick measuring contest, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's like I have. Wings that become immediately erect. Woody's like, Woody's I'm like, flaccid. <laughs> he's like fingering his little string yeah, behind his back, <laughs> insecure. He's like, why is string not hard? He's just dangling behind me. Man, emasculating. <laughs> uh, then meanwhile, we meet Sid, the scary My boyfriend. Neighbor. Okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is the neighbor boy who tortures toys for fun. Uh, and Torture or is he just torturing them or just building? Yeah, he's towards. a maker. He's Sorry to double team you. 
<laughs> Sid could go to Harvard on an independent study. I mean, <laughs> he is creative. We have to give him that. He does have a sign in his bedroom that says, I heart explosives, which is concerning. It was yeah. literally, when I saw that, like the aesthetic of his room, like the glowy poster, I was like, I've fucked future that guy for He's sure. He's got like a fake Marilyn Manson poster. It says like rocker dude or yeah. something like that. <laughs> Okay, so we meet Sid, and then Andy's mom's like, let's go to Pizza Planet, Andy. And he's like, okay. And she's like, you can only bring one toy. And Woody knows that Andy's going to pick Buzz. So mm. he premeditates a crime. Okay. The way that premeditation is shown, though, is like in one shot, and you just see Woody look at Buzz, look at a window, and then go, hmm. <laughs> Which is, I guess, premeditation. But, but then it's he a sends really the RC car flying across the windowsill without its consent. He, had, yeah, true. Uh, not he, a lot of making RC him consent. an accessory to his crime. Yeah. <laughs> not fair to the car, right? And then, in his attempt to just like knock him under the bed, he accidentally knocks him out of the window, and all the other toys are like, "Oh my God, Woody, you're a murderer!" Right. And he's like, it was an accident. And, yeah. it, and we know, we're like, Woody, you are a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head like pulls out like an undercover cop badge and is like, I've been trailing you for years. <laughs> it's also like, um, I think the Etch-A-Sketch at that point sketches a noose. And yeah. um, oh, yeah. Etch-A-Sketch, when other people are involved, like Woody's, like, in the beginning there's this gag where um, Woody's like, draw with the Etch-A-Sketch, and Etch-A-Sketch does a, a, a pistol. Yeah. Um, Potato Head has him yeah. do a noose. When Etch-A-Sketch is of his own volition, he's drawing Buzz fan pictures. Fan art. Which is cute. Which is not good. Like, it looks like shit. Okay. I'm sorry. He's just Am a little wrong? Literally, his only other options are to draw weapons of death. <laughs> Let Etch-a-Sketch do his Buzz fan art, I even though it's bad. Just don't understand why he's you like he's a good. Or, sorry to gender Etch-a-Sketch. Yeah, oh my don't goodness. gender Etch-a-Sketch. <laughs> I did it first. I did it first. <laughs> I mean, all of Andy's toys are coded male, so I think it's you know, except say. for Troll and Etch-a-Sketch. True. So this whole accident happens, or that's what like Woody's trying to convince the toys uh, that it was an accident. Um, right. So now Andy has to take Woody to Pizza Planet, but Buzz like manages to hitch a ride along. They get in a little scuffle and they get left behind. Right. Uh, but then they make it to Pizza Planet, and then before Woody and Buzz can get back to Andy, Sid, the scary neighbor boy, say the part about the aliens. Oh. <laughs> He climbs into the little claw, and yeah. then the aliens are there, and we're like, woohoo! That's, that's what we go, that's what I show up for, the little alien scene. Really? Ooh. I'm like, I can't wait till this is over. Oh, I love it. It's so <laughs> annoying. I love it. There, I feel like the, the aliens are like a prototype for what the minions would later become. It like mm. looks great on a lunchbox. They basically say the same thing. Except I think that maybe like the aliens were too Christ complexy to like <laughs> get their own franchise. Because <laughs> I forgot they were like, the claw is God. Yeah. <laughs> I have been chosen. I love it so much. The minions are like lawless, but uh, sure. the minions are wild and also I love them. <laughs> they're so, they're cute. We're going to do, can we do Minions Month on the Patreon? No. For my birthday. <laughs> Ooh, in August, I get to choose. 
Minions August would be fun. That sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> that, there's no, and they're all like dudes. All the minions. Yes. Yeah, so what would we even talk about? We're talking about the complex male dynamics and how they're toxic. I see. Yes. <laughs> so they get captured by Sid, who takes Buzz and Woody back to his house, and there yeah. are some other toys who have been. They've um, gotten plastic surgery and they look amazing. <laughs> he does baby he spider thing. Baby spider. <laughs> We got Roller Bob. We've got we got legs. legs. <laughs> we got yeah. Wind the Frog. Yes, little windy ducky. Sid is taking these toys in for surgery, and Buzz is observing this, and he's like, "I don't believe that man ever got his medical degree." <laughs> <laughs> and I love you know how like um, cats think that everything is a cat. Like, cats think you are a cat. I know that cats really? have eight nipples, and that's nice. contact with Caitlin. <laughs> what? Well, I can't Do speak... Do cats really think that every I think it's something like that. I can't speak to how many nipples Buzz has, um, if any, but... I've, I'm willing Buzz to Buzz thinks everything is like a, a man. Like, he <laughs> believes he's a full-size man, and right. Sid, in his mind, yeah. Yeah. Right, right, is, right. A, is a grown a man. Grown, yeah. Not a real doctor, doctor. but... <laughs> Uh, so Buzz and Woody look at these toys and they think that they are cannibals right. uh, because they judge a book Which just by goes to show how intolerant Woody is this entire yes. movie. Yeah, no, Woody is He's unhinged. like a stand-in for like white patriarchy that doesn't want to be replaced. Yeah. He's like, I don't recognize Very these much. toys, cannibals. They're trying to escape and then like Buzz sees a commercial for himself and this is when he realizes that he is not the Buzz Lightyear. He is just a toy. Mm -hmm. So he has a nervous breakdown and gets very depressed. I like that Buzz Lightyear gets so upset that he is not the coolest guy in the world that he allows himself to be strapped to a rocket to be killed. <laughs> yeah. That is very, that's a very fragile move oh, on his part. Fragile like, male Yeah, I'm not ego. the fucking coolest guy ever. They fucking kill me now, man. <laughs> like, it's... Also, Sid is able to have rockets shipped to his home. <laughs> and he's what, like, 10? I don't know. He's he got can't a, be. He he's hearts. like 8 years old. Yeah. I mean, he hearts explosives. He yes. hearts explosives. Read the wall. You, we, when we see the Buzz Lightyear commercial, we see what we can only assume is um, Sid's dad passed out with like soda cans with, strewn around his I mean, his feet. soda. There's a lot of like coded stuff about Sid's life that I... He's I've, doing the best with what he has. He seems truly like a neglected child that is turned into a villain. Like, it's yeah. just so, oh, there's so much. I mean, and with Sid's sister as well, but we can get into that. Yeah. There's a lot. Uh, yeah, so the rest of the story is Sid's planning to blow Buzz up with the rocket, so Woody has to rescue him and get back over to Andy's before the family moves away. And then Woody's like, oh, wait, these toys aren't cannibals. Hey, can you help me save my friend Buzz? And they're like, well, I guess, even though you... None of them can speak. <laughs> right. Well, they yeah. fixed... They just, like, fix Buzz's arm. And then he's like, oh, they're nice. And then Oh, you're nice. Like, now let me deliver my show-stopping speech about friendship. Exactly, right. yeah. Steals the moment. He's got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. Let's get out of this house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
They successfully save Buzz. They use the rocket to get to the moving van. They make their way back into Andy's family's car, and everything's great. And then it's Christmas. Christmas. The end. Yay! So that's the story that's of the Toy movie. Story. Uh-huh. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Do you want to start talking with with things we like? Because that's a shorter list, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in terms of like what there is to talk about with women at all. Sure. Do you have anything that you like? Is it? Re- I mean, I like the movie. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of those movies that like we all like, but when you watch it with women in mind, you're just like, where are they? <laughs> I mean, like the first Toy Story movie, especially, and we have like some some stuff to talk about with with the other two, but the first t- Toy Story movie is like known for women being almost completely absent Mm -hmm. from the story. And especially, like, there is really no woman that has narrative impact in this whole movie, except for Andy's mom, only because she has a driver's license. Right. (laughs) Like, if Andy's mom did not have a driver's license, women have no agency in this story. I was going to say, Lori Metcalf is moving this whole family across the country. Right. I mean, credit for this one person. Well, that's the that that is one of the things that I like is like it seems like uh, as far as we know, a- like Andy and his sister are being raised by a single mom, and there's not a lot made of that. Like I feel like usually in children's entertainment, especially like if there is not the you know TV nuclear family that is pointed out to you a lot and it's pointed out as being a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing like Andy and his terrifying uncanny valley little sister oh yeah uh, being raised by a single mom who is also terrifying uncanny valley 
was kind of cool because it's not, you know, like drawn attention to of like, where's their dad? You know, which I think would sort of be the default for that. So I like that. But I think, so I, I was looking into this because I was also curious and I hadn't remembered that um, Laurie Metcalf in amazing 90s floral print leggings was a single <laughs> mom in this movie until rewatching it. But apparently that was a financial choice rather than a narrative choice because Toy Story is the first like fully computer animated film. It's the first feature length for Pixar. Computer um, movie take a long time. It took a long time. <laughs> computer, yeah. exactly. Pixar hadn't worked with Disney prior to this and the only reason it was even considered was because um, Nightmare Before Christmas had gone well, so they were constantly running out of money, coming with like weird pushback from Disney, like Disney wanted them to make it a musical. They were not really having that, thank God. <laughs> and I like they were like, we're going to split the difference, we'll give you Na Randy Newman final Perfect. <laughs> Great. Randy Newman plus Hakuna Matata for like 10 seconds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the computer technology to build this movie was like not... They basically couldn't have done it, and they don't understand how they did, and they were under deadlines that they couldn't have reached. So they didn't have the time or money to build a second adult. So they just did the mom, and if you look at Andy's birthday party, all of the other children are also Andy. They have his face. And if you look at Sid, the, like, bully neighbor kid, he basically is Andy with a different with hair like color. With, like, a stretch right. out, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Okay. All the people in this so movie they've never are commented looking. on Andy's dad because it wasn't like a narrative choice designed to drive the movie. They just yeah. didn't have the money to make dad. Okay, fine. Well, <laughs> some of the best worst internet rabbit holes to go down are Pixar Reddit theories. Okay, people have a lot of time, and there is someone who said that there's they're like, oh no. Andy's parents are definitely not divorced because weeks before the events of Toy Story 1, Andy's dad died of polio. <laughs> huh? A curable disease that no one gets anymore? Well, the theory is that Andy's dad contracted polio as a child. How? Okay. And it came back. Wasn't Why? it cured? What evidence like, is there to support this theory? How in old any way? is his father? His only he had surviving polio. possession was Woody. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I feel nothing for the pole. Like, who is his dad? Three hundred years old. Why can't he just have a mom? A single Why can't mom? he just have a single mom? So yeah, good that the movie doesn't call attention to the fact that it's like you know what appears to be a single mom raising two children right. uh, or like villainizes that in any way because that's like another version of what we tend to see sure. uh, but also Andy's mom yes she does have narrative impact because she is She's the driver, driver of the vehicle but that's that not saying that much and then also we almost never see her face even like there's might be one wide shot where like we see a glimpse of her face but usually it's like either her back and that might also be an animation thing, is that a peanuts choice too though that, that's what i thought it was like adults the, are just irrelevant in this world in the first one but that changes in later ones. yeah it doesn't super bother me that like i feel like you're not because you only see the adults from like toy angles in this right. movie but I like triple checked this. As of the end of the third movie, we still don't know what Andy's mother's name is, mm -hmm. which is like 
I mean, and we like go back on and forth on this. You know, it's like, is mom a character name? In some cases, yes. In other cases, it's kind of unclear. But if you've been in three feature-length movies yeah. and have not been given the courtesy of a first name, that is violent. But right. how would the toys even perceive an adult's name? I mean, it could be, but it's like, you know, how would they perceive well, Andy's name? It's just said. We were discussing, I mean, we, we went down a, a little Reddit rabbit hole before we got in front of all of you tonight. But um, mm-hmm. there's a theory that Andy's mom is the original owner of the toy Jessie. Yeah. In which case she does have a name. It would be Emily. Emily. So. That bitch. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else that we like about the movie in terms of its like representation of women i guess i like um there are two moments where the the main like macho toys are made to play women for a second so when when woody's like running point on the toy opening party they call him mother bird which i thought was very sweet mm. oh okay. that. and then um we have buzz later is mrs nesbitt yeah he's he's um sid's i forget sid's sister's name hannah hannah yes. hannah's only toy with a head so she's really like she can put a bonnet on him mm-hmm. and uh so i feel like i like that they they speak to the idea that toys can have a mutable gender depending on like what the kid playing with the toy wants yeah like we see all sure. of andy's toys as male because Hannah's got daddy issues? I don't know. I mean, he's got a lot of things to sort out. But right. Hannah does not care that Buzz Lightyear looks like a spaceman. He's a space woman in a little bonnet. The Mrs. Nesbitt scene is like polarizing. To, it's, it's weird. There's like a lot of different reads of that scene. I, I don't really know where to fall in it. I, I do like that like the toy just becomes the gender of the child that is playing with it. I think that that's a cool philosophy to abide by. Mm-hmm. And it, there was like when that, when that especially just because it's like 1995, when that scene came on and there was like a male-coded toy that was dressed up like a woman, I was like, oh, they're going to make some like horrendous joke that's not going to age well. Like there's going to be like this panicky joke. No, the only joke out, is that Buzz happen. is really sick of drinking Darjeeling tea. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like and so I I was like I don't like it's not necessarily a win, but I was just relieved that they didn't take the cheap awful 1995 approach to that joke. Right. I guess probably cuz it was rated G and they couldn't I mean th- <laughs> the I protagonist like commits a murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's perhaps a lot to not admire so much about this movie when it comes to the topics that we discuss. Andy's toys, uh, as we already said, like they're almost entirely coded as male. They're voiced by actors who are men. There's like a damseling scene in the opening scene of the movie right? where Bo Peep, like her sheep needs to be rescued by Woody and it's like yes, a scene. Yes, and the ransom is five bazillion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> So already we're just like, well, Andy's certainly not a progressive six-year-old. No, because he's probably, you know, watching movies where women are damseled. And he's like, well, that's what women do. But I mean, like, Bo Peep is like the one notable female toy character who has lines at all. Because there is that little, like, troll doll who is wearing a floral bikini. 
But Troll Doll never speaks. And yeah, we Troll don't Doll could really be, know. We don't, you know, just we because of know. the outfit, we don't have to presume. Sure. We don't know how Troll Doll identifies. How Andy designated that Troll Doll. Definitely. No. But Troll Doll is just confident. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. Like there I, was, so apparently in the script, they, they wanted Barbie. They couldn't get Barbie. Mattel mm-hmm. was like, Toy Story who? They wanted Barbie, and Joss Whedon wrote this scene, which I really like. So it, we were talking about in the end when the toys are all at, at SIDS, and they're escaping, and there's this, like, I, I assume we'll get into it, like a horrif- horror scene where they scare SIDS straight mm-hmm. to never mess with toys again. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, the way that the toys were meant to get out of SIDS was that Barbie was going to show up and do a, a Terminator scene and be like, come with me if you want to live, and Barbie was going <gasps> to oh, rescue that, everyone from SIDS. Oh my God. But they that couldn't get rights so to Barbie, cool. so they, they devised yet another, like, weird room. Goldberg toy situation where they um, horror movie stood into letting them free. We're like right. Woody. So there was going to be, a, yeah, there was going to be a, a like a female toy hero. Joss Whedon tried for it. Okay. Mattel was like poo poo. Well, that would have been pretty cool. I mean, yeah. just like I mean to have like female characters doing anything that uh, impacts the plot would have right. been nice. But uh, Bo Peep is literally there to either flirt or provide emotional support. Right. Uh, she frets. She also frets. She. Oh, you're right. She's she frets. Worrying. The three <laughs> capabilities. <laughs> I'm either fretting, flirting, or providing emotional support. Right. She's got basically no narrative impact. You can no. take her out of the movie. The plot remains essentially the same. If you apply the sexy, sexy lamp, lamp test, test, which is ironic because she is a sexy lamp. Right. So, like, replace her with, like, the hot leg lamp from A Christmas Story, and the movie is the same. Yeah. She's just there to flirt with Woody. With Woody and, yeah. like, give him horny conniptions. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, his seams are busted. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's like, Woody, I can get someone else to watch the sheep tonight. And, he, and he's like, Ugh. <laughs> And then there's I a great... I want this lamp so bad. <laughs> right, is this movie suggesting that these toys fuck? I don't even, like... But then also Bo Peep... Seems like she's just made horny by any impressive male character because yeah. whenever Buzz shows up and he does his like falling with style thing, she's like, I ah. found my moving buddy. And then is like fanning herself and like so horny about it. So Bo Peep only exists in the story to be like Woody's girlfriend. Most of the time we see her on screen, she's doing some sort of like emotional nurturing because women be nurturing. Yeah, it's um, okay. Like, oh, Andy loves you, Woody. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like they don't even give her. I, I, for I was like, maybe there's like one of those shitty throwaway moments that we hate, but is something where like in in like an action scene, Bo Peep gets to do one thing, and everyone's like, whoa, she just used that staff to stab someone in the eye, (laughs) or like. Something less violent than that. Right. Um, but th- she doesn't even get like one of those corny ass girl power moments no. like like that. I mean, I was surprised. There was just l- nothing. Right. Nothing for her to do. Yeah, she's, she's not even tokenized, which they didn't when, even you, when you're hoping right. for a woman being tokenized, you know your movie is fucking up. <laughs> um. And then uh, Bo Peep, I mean, she is 
it's kind of like a weird character in this franchise in general because she's in the second one to some extent, but is very much sidelined because that's when Jessie the Cowgirl comes in. Mm-hmm. And then in the third movie, she's not in it at all. It's like implied she was given away in a garage sale because they're like, oh, we don't know how to write female characters. Bye. Like they but just have we shipped her away. Have we all examined the Toy Story 4 plot summaries? Yes. So she's about to be heroic, right? Right. Well, uh, he took like er, how many of course, I've seen the trailer. I haven't explored much beyond that, though. She's like a liberated toy now, and she's going to teach Woody a trick or two. I don't know about all this. Mm. There's like a, <laughs> like the the new Bo Peep. There, they do kind of like a number of things that I think are like corny and like what dudes do when they're like, oh, I actually don't hate women because she's wearing pants now. Like. Mm. <laughs> It's How like, did she get pants on that lamp? There, <laughs> she's porcelain. How is that possible? But they, I mean, they gave her a new outfit. She wears like a pantsuit now. Now her like sheep stick is like a like a wit. I don't know what, but it. But they basically did a post me to redesign of this character mm-hmm. to be like no she's actually empowered and cool and awesome now and she's going to you know tell Woody a thing or two about a thing or two which is cool in theory but it almost just feels like moving from one shitty trope to like a Mary Sue trope right mm. of just turning her from like this feminine <laughs> to like a badass hashtag girl boss who doesn't take any nonsense from anybody and it's like we just want a character right like, right there's stuff that exists in the middle of those two things that I don't I mean I'm I'm excited to see it I just Anytime, like, male screenwriters are like, we solved feminism. Like, <laughs> she got pants and she's mean. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't trust it. Right, because I want to read a quote from an article I in the quote. LA Times about Toy Story 4, specifically about Bo Peep's character. It says, she became someone, as Cooley says, Cooley is the director of Toy Story 4. Um, Mr. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who can stand up for herself, has confidence, and has seen a lot of things, has lived through it. She's more well-rounded. Uh, we looked at different kinds of female characters. Mad Max, Fury Roads, Imperator Furiosa, Ray from Star Wars, Marion from Indiana Jones is a huge one as well. And I quote. I just think he's naming women he's heard of. Right. Like, it's... It just seems very defensive. It, like, he just described... Something uh, impossibly vague of like, you know, she's a woman. She's done things before. She's woken up. She's fallen back asleep. She's, she's gotten dressed. She's gotten undressed. She's washed a few times. Here's a list of three women I've heard of. Feminism solves. Right. Like, it does. Fuck off. It feels very much like lip service. It's like, yeah, uh, who do people think are the feminist characters again? Oh, yes, these ones. And then just like said it to a reporter. I really hope that I'm wrong and that they didn't just do this like very reductive like Mary Sue character that you know makes everyone feel like Toy Story fixed feminism or something but that like just strictly based on like if you look at the visual of like before after like it seems kind of like a hollow gesture sorry (laughs) keep her in the same outfit yeah. Why do I have to change my clothes to d- discover myself? Woody's right. never changed well, his damn clothes in his life. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
But I mean, the way she's originally designed is that she's I mean, attached to a lamp. Attached to a lamp, but then in this like pink frilly dress and like the caricature of these she i just but then i mean i don't hate the redesign why can't she wear her pink her frilly d- dress and you're still be right right but also like to badass sheep herder <laughs> i guess because female characters are just so often like hyper feminized in their look or wardrobe i agree I with yeah. that i just like she's logistically she's porcelain you can't change her outfit, but and yeah. and also in the redesign they change her into a blue pantsuit. So I feel like they're just they're like, oh, you didn't like pink dress? What about blue pants? Like it's just, it just seems so lazy. And I like, I d- it's an I'm with her gesture for yeah, sure. Yeah, like it just seems like if you have already written this character poorly, like since 1995, you've fumbled this. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just put a new outfit on and be like, duh. Like there Catch me up, though. I remember she's I like gone in Toy Story 3. What is the Bo Peep arc in Toy Story 2? Other than being Woody's girlfriend. I think it's just that. Okay. I think that she does a few more like, I love it lines. Woody's girlfriend, but Woody has a female friend now, and that's... Yeah, and then and then Jesse. I mean, we can talk uh, about Jesse a little bit. She's not in the first movie, but like Jesse is awesome in Toy Story two, and she's got this like really detailed female arc with a Sarah McLaughlin song <laughs> about the tragedy of being rejected by sure. Andy's mom. By Andy's mom. It's the only like woman woman relationship. Is that two female characters hear? talking to each other across space and time? They're oh, wow. spiritually and yet Toy Story 2 also fails the Bechtel test. <laughs> <laughs> but then in Toy Story 3, uh, there's like this bad storyline on a number of levels where like Buzz loses his identity again and then he becomes this like Latin lover stereotype. Right. And Jesse falls in love with him. And then she is well. There's already like, like an ongoing flirtation established between Jesse and Buzz that yeah. does not need to be in the that? movie. But because That's it's like, oh, we have a female character, we better make her like a boy. Because <laughs> what else? Because what else is she gonna do? do? It almost like reminds me of like a Ron and Hermione thing where. Like, you feel like the writers were like, yeah, they're going to love this. But then when you see it, you're like, ugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> someone is clearly settling. <laughs> like, this is. <laughs> Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. 
This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Can we talk a little bit about how much Woody sucks? He's he's terrible. (laughs) Yes. I feel like there's a number of ways to look at the Woody and Buzz relationship. Ultimately, you know, it's like big picture. I do like that there are two male characters who learn how to have a meaningful friendship together. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's like rare to like encourage especially like young boys to be like no you can be friends with other boys like and it's like a good positive thing i i like that but their friendship is very fucked up it is mostly a dick measuring competition right and it's all about i mean both of those characters get pretty severely emasculated and have to recover at different points cuz like woody is emasculated by no longer being the favorite of Andy. And Mm -hmm. like he has to, he lashes out from that rejection and pushes, you know, accidentally pushes Buzz out a window. Right. And Buzz is emasculated by the fact that he is not the only Buzz Lightyear. But to be fair, imagine you thought you were like a hotshot space cadet and you learned you are an eight inch tall toy. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not the Caitlin Durante host of the Bechtel cast? I'm would you would toy? you let yourself be strapped to a rocket? Um Life would feel pretty meaningless if I learned there were like eight million others of me made in a sweatshop. Right. Which Man. they the toys discuss very early on. They talk about that so much. I just, yeah. I mean, I do kind of like how naive Buzz is. I think if they were both as antagonistic and like world weary as Woody appears to be, mm-hmm. it would be like a, a different movie. I mean, and and like when Buzz's character starts out and everyone's impressed by him, he's a pretty nice, gregarious character. Like he is nice there's like that whole montage where he's friendly to everyone he's teaching people how to lift weights well i guess so along the lines of woody originally being a villain they didn't intend for buzz to not realize he was a toy but when they heard how tim allen was reading the character they were like he's not playing it like he's a toy he's playing it like he's actually like buzz aldrin so they wrote that whole thing of him not recognizing he's a toy because tim allen wasn't a nuanced voice actor (laughs) God, he being does a man is wild. Suck. Tim Allen, I hate him so if much. You yeah. were, if you were a woman, like if you were like a woman voice actor, speaking from experience, they would say, you're doing a bad job. They just oh, rewrote the right. whole thing but around. They're like, oh, mm. Mr. Tim, we are so sorry. <laughs> we are going to have Joss Sweden write you another draft tonight because you cannot do your job. Like, Woody is, uh, you know, in retrospect, an antagonistic flaccid devil man yes 
the way that Sid's family is presented, I feel like there's a lot implied about Sid's family that is bizarre and dark and unnecessary. Where I mean, it's first of all a wild choice to make like an eight year old the villain of the movie. True. But I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, I fully bought into it and thought, yes, like, I hated Sid. I hated his adorable little bull terrier dog, Scud. Right, Scud. Yeah, <laughs> King Scud. Like they're. When in retrospect, I mean, there's so much about Sid's house and the way his family operates that just implies that he is maybe neglected by his parents a little bit and that he might be poorer than Andy's family. Right, and that yes. there's I feel like there's like a lot of weird coding going on with that family that just sort of translates to like very young kids as like poorer kid with like less attentive parents equals bad villain forever which is such a horrible thing yeah. to imply like to any kid and also skull t-shirt well i think we really see <laughs> how the toys are formed by who their owners are because early on when buzz hasn't really had like andy's room imprinted on him he sees sid from the window from across the, the lawns and he's like, that happy child, he sees Sid, like, destroying a, a combat car. And he's like, that happy, smiling child. And, like, that's kind of, when I rewatched it as a 30-year-old and not a 7-year-old, I was like, he's just having a really fucking fun time with his toys. Yeah, like, he just, like, it seems like he's neglected to the point where he can have rockets shipped to his room. Mm. But that's How not did he his get that? That's not his fault. I mean, I think that there are some things implied where, like, you never see either of his parents other than asleep other than asleep on soda surrounded by cans <laughs> right. like there's a lot implied about his family when buzz sees the commercial for buzz lightyear we know it is morning but buzz walks into a dark room where a tv is on and there are cans everywhere and someone is asleep on a recliner i think it is implied that sid has an alcoholic dad and that that is like it's just like the weird implicate like class and family implications of that character who is just outright the villain of the story yeah. like there's no sympathy empathy anything presented for Sid who like if you saw a 9-year-old kid who was acting out like that in real life, you'd be like, this kid probably needs some guidance uh -huh. or like a, a psychologist or like someone to talk to. But um, in this, they're like, no, he just needs to be harassed by Tom Hanks. <laughs> That'll show him. Like he truly did seem like, I don't, I don't know why I'm like standing for Sid so bad, <laughs> but like he seems like a little goth boy who like needs to be put on the right track. And I just, I don't like how they present that family. Sure. It bugs yeah, I me. mean, he is a product of his upbringing, and they imply that because his upbringing is like coded as being like lower income, that that's what and that is his fault. Right. I guess, is yeah. that they that they're like he's just a bad kid. You know what bad kids are like. You know what they act like. But like that never happens in a vacuum. And then they present Andy as like, and this is a good kid because like. His mom pays attention to him, and right. his sister looks scary, and <laughs> his his lawn is more manicured than Sid's is. So I mean, if we're good. if we're putting like pound for pound, Sid is more interesting than Andy. He's doing laps around Andy. What does <laughs> what does Andy do? Does sexist act outs with his toys? <laughs> Sid's doing full on <laughs> like surgery, medical <laughs> procedures. He's an aspiring surgeon uh -huh. and just needs 
needs a mentor yeah. to be like, Sid, you, these are very scary, but there is a practical <laughs> application of this interest. <laughs> and he's just a kid who is like fucking around with his toys. Like that's every kid. He's, I mean, he's just interested in STEM. I had a couple. <laughs> I had a couple baby dolls as a child. There was a baby doll that um, it would like crawl a little bit and then cry and then crawl a little bit more and cry. I don't know if anyone had this called? baby doll, but it was very annoying and the, the crying sucks. sounds were awful. So I ripped its head off and threw it over my balcony. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that's not all um, <laughs> I played with Barbies did you cut hair I cut their hair off I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't allowed to cut hair oh man I oh, cut so I, w- cool. I had some Barbies that I was like I want you to keep your hair but other ones <laughs> I, I shaved their heads and the older I, I got the more games. <laughs> the older I got and like the, le- the less I was like into playing with toys I was like well I might as well just ruin these I don't know what I was thinking so I cut all their hair off and then I would paint them with nail polish so I sort of r- related to Sid in that way but it is like he's just treating toys like a kid would treat toys and is really creative with them and creates like mutants that yes. are fully operational. His toys are the best toys in the whole show. I want baby spider guy. Roller <laughs> bob and um, legs. And it does love it. provide an opportunity for what I think is an important lesson where it's like, I don't know, don't judge things or people by how they look. Because right. they're like, oh, they're... They look different from the norm. They must be cannibals. And then Which they is learn. a wild assumption to begin with. Right. But yeah, it's like <laughs> judging the other right. in any way. But even then, like that that lesson, like you almost get all the way there. But Sadie, you were saying this earlier, like Sid's toys help fix Buzz without being asked. They're very nice, even though they've been treated badly mm-hmm. by mostly Woody. Buzz hasn't been like outwardly mean Buzz to them. Buzz thought they were cannibals Buzz as well. is the one who... He might have said cannibals first. But they help him anyways, and then Woody's like, oh, you're nice. Can you help us do this thing? And then they help do the thing in the in the big horror scene, right? Where you know, like Sid finds out the toys are real. He's the only kid in the fucking world that knows this. I, I actually <laughs> he's think fucking so Neo. My hot take here <laughs> is that Sid is the only one who's really deserving of knowing that the toys are alive. Because all through the movie, like there's a there's a, a semi truck that almost runs over Woody because he's so committed to playing the role of like toys not being alive. He lies down in front of the wheel. Yeah. His hat even gets run over a little bit but he'll break that like toy code of silence to teach Sid a lesson he does like an exorcist head spin yeah oh yeah Sid deserved that that was cool I love <laughs> that Sid has to go through life with that sinister knowledge <laughs> but anyway but like the the toys help Woody and Buzz who have been cruel and judgmental towards them yeah and then instead at the end of them getting some sort of redemptive arc Instead, Woody just goes, thanks, guys, bye. And then they charge into the climax of the movie. But and maybe never those toys again. like Sid and they like hanging out there. I hope so. It's they're just being played with in an engaging way. All of his <laughs> toys. <laughs> I'm but really team Sid. 
I mean, I don't think it's Sid's fault. I think it's like Woody and Buzz and the way they treat these toys right. who are different from them and then rely on them to do a bunch of shit for them and then are like, oh, thanks, see ya, and then just like dip. I guess the idea is that like they helped liberate the toys from like Sid's torment. Because Sid will never hurt them again because now right. he's afraid of his sister's little dog. Right. Another character that I thought didn't get enough... Uh, or like started it in a cool place and then was kind of like poorly written into oblivion was uh, Sid's little sister Hannah. I really liked her when she first, I forgot she was in the movie, which never bodes well right. for, for the impact that she would have. But like in the first scene, she's, she's like seen challenging Sid right away. She's like, get away. You know, like they're doing like a younger sibling, older sibling thing. Right. And it she seems kinda like creeps me out from the beginning. I like her. I mean, it's well, seems I'm not like, saying I don't like that. Like, <laughs> but like t- Sid is like terror. Like, I mean, he terrorizes his younger sister. He literally says that line when Hannah like runs off to tell her mom that Sid did something. Ugh. Yeah, where yeah. Sid's like, "Don't believe her. Don't She's believe lying. anything she says. She's lying. Women like, be lying." Damn yeah. nutshell. Uh, but I, I liked that, like, you know, Hannah was, like, pushing back. She's the only person we see push back against Sid. Do Andy and Sid even know each other? We don't know. But, you know, Hannah pushes back. And then I have a Fight Club theory about Andy and Sid. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're the same. I mean, they are literally the same character. <laughs> <laughs> they're the same mold. But then we see, like, Hannah is... Then when we see her again later, the only other scene we really see her in is, like, when she, like, goes to, like, the most stereotypical girl bedroom of oh, all time. Oh, it's so pink. Where yeah. it's, like, it's pink, pink, pink. She's having a, a tea party. With her two beheaded dolls. With her yeah. two beheaded Marie dolls. Marie Antoinette, Antoinette and her sister. <laughs> she, she starts out as, like, this kind of cool character, and then they kind of just throw her into i mean it's i I would argue it's better than bo peep who just like starts lame and remains that way sure but like hannah i feel like you're given this cool little nugget of like oh she's like argumentative and she's like gonna fuck with her brother there's versions of it where i could see her participating in the plot and like helping woody and buzz she like takes a liking to buzz she like turns him into mrs nesbitt like but then she's just kind of written out instead of like there's like this whole third act that takes place in her house but she's only she's like relegated to like a tea party scene and i just i don't know i just wish but she at was the like end, more involved so so after the toys it's called the, like the wine the frog scene because woody orchestrates this whole thing in the scene in which they would have had Barbie rescue all of them, which I think would have been cool. That would have been right. great. Um, yeah. Instead, all the toys do this like horror movie reenactment for Sid so that he's now terrified of his toys. And Woody is like, there's a snake in my boot. Don't ever torture your toys again. And he runs screaming into the house, mm. at which point Hannah's waving her doll in front of him. And, and Sid is horrified because now he knows the toys are alive and coming to get him. Yeah. yeah. So she's got a little agency there. She's got, yeah. to, she definitely does. I just like wish that she had been used more because again, it's like as much as I like that character, you can remove her from the entire movie and like how much actually changes. Sure. Not, not too I think much. what makes a little more sense for the movie is just to like the core group of toys that we meet introduce some other female coded toys into the group and give them just more of an active role in the story. Yeah. Like there's I mean there's a lot of toys that could have gone either way. Like Rex didn't I mean 
I'm not going to say Walsh John should leave any movie. But Rex didn't have to be male. Ham didn't have to be male. Right. I mean, really, most of Andy's toys, like, there could have yeah. been, like, gender parity <laughs> with Andy's toys, and it wouldn't have changed anything. So, about really, the, the movie is a critique on Andy's just dumb imagination. I right. <laughs> Yeah, Andy's an unoriginal chode. And <laughs> but, I mean, it's if you look at the Hannah character where... You know, she's got a pink room, and she has dolls, and they do tea parties. And there's nothing wrong with being interested in feminine toys, but just that that is such an egregious default Mm -hmm. for a young girl that just is not really challenged or explored. And then you've got Andy, who has all male toys. He does very misguided act-outs with them. (laughs) There's a whole quick conversation uh, that we can have about just the toy industry and how toys are, you know, very specifically gendered and marketed and, uh, you know, how that ruins children, basically. Um, But lots of studies have been done on, like, the way children play and the toys that they play with and how that affects how a child's brain develops um, because these these things all have a very profound impact on children. Play is a large part of what gets a child to like understand the world that they're in and what their role is in that and world. And like developing morals and yes. Yes. So they've just found a bunch of stuff that playing with toys can help develop skills that influences a child's future, mm-hmm. like what career they might go into. Right. So research by the Institution for Engineering and Technology found that toys with a STEM focus. <laughs> were three times more likely to be targeted at boys than girls. Hmm. Wonder if that has anything to do with how women are underrepresented in STEM. It's true. I mean, well, and then the same thing with sports, too. Of just, like, that's not something that is marketed to girls when they're very young, and every kid is an idiot. That's the law. (laughs) And what is presented to them is what they'll think, like, oh, that's what I'm able to do, so let me do that. And then there's also so many, I mean, this isn't in this movie, but like with the Mrs. Potato Head, there's so many versions of toys originally made for boys that they'll just slap a bow on uh-huh. and be like, it's for girls now. Or like Legos are one of the few things that are for everyone. But even when Legos were first marketed at girls, they were like pink and pastel and they looked different because they're like, well, girls won't pick up solid colors. <laughs> Women hate primary colors. They can't see them. Legos are invisible to them. We have to fem it up. Like there and I do want the girl Legos. However, cuz and that is like such a, a gender like neutral concept that they still managed to gender like through right. color and through marketing. There's so much. I mean, I I had I did a brief stint as a toy reporter, which sounds like a lie, wow. but but it is true because one must have many stupid jobs. <laughs> um, and the time I was reporting at was when they were uh, releasing Barbies with different body types, uh-huh. and there was so much written at that time of the way that children were reacting to them, and and it is it like the thing that I took away from researching it and then and then writing about it is 
kids form ideas on how toys and then by extension what the world should look like so much younger than you would think. Mm -hmm. Because there were uh, Barbies with different body types given to a group of four-year-olds. Yeah. And already, like, there were kids who didn't mean any harm but were saying, like, this isn't right. Why would I want this? This isn't what I want. And so it's just, like, the not challenging anything is such an insidious thing to do because your kid can be you know like uh, you can do your best and your kid can still be skull fucked by the time they're four years old yeah just based on what is around and what is available to them which is always with some exceptions now and i hope that you know like uh, kids that had barbies with different body types before they were four years old will you know be less conditioned to feel that way but it, but it is like some, something that hits with you so young that like there needs to be priority to mm -hmm. uh, like re representing a wider variety of of dolls of body types. I'm talking about dolls specifically, sure. but like making them less gendered and less you know bullshit. Right. <laughs> um, is like super important from the second you are born. Alive. <laughs> Yikes. Well, we, because toys are so often exaggeratedly gendered like yeah toys marketed to boys are like army men gi joe like fucking monster truck like very hyper hyper masculine stuff and then like toys marketed to girls are like pretty pretty princess and easy bake oven and like right. very it's just, just like the you. most exaggerated versions of masculinity and femininity and when that's what you're giving children to play with who have like mushy play-doh brains who like don't understand yeah. the world yet like play-doh a toy for a toy everyone for a gender neutral toy <laughs> that you can it's a lump you can make at home my mom used to make Play-Doh on my stovetop all I the time. I don't know what the ingredients are. But Eat it! You can. I've, I've eaten it. Um. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it, it's like such an important... And, and I hope that like in Toy Story 4, like a full 24 years after their first movie came out, that that will be something that is more included because like movies like this are so merchandising based. Like how many actual Buzz Lightyears have you, and like how many squeaky aliens have you seen? Like these movies are literally designed to sell merchandise because capitalism. I had Woody right? and Buzz toys. It's a genius move to make a movie about toys and then you can sell the toys. Like right. it's, it's a very like normal thing to do. But if you write, if you take priority to write in characters that are more inclusive and less just like, this is a toy for boys. This is a toy for girls, a.k.a. we're not making toys of it because that is how the toy industry works. Is like there's even with like the Avengers, it took nine million years for them to make a Black Widow action figure. Yeah. And, and to include her in marketing is just... Same thing with Star Wars. Whenever the new trilogy started coming out, they didn't have Rey toys with all the other ones, even though Rey is the, the main, main character. character. Another thing is that... Um, Toys across the whole gender spectrum mostly seem to be representing white people, or they're, they're sure. so like dolls, uh, action figures, everything uh, are mostly white. And Toy Story reflects that. Yes, yes. it sure does. Um, another way in which a franchise about toys could challenge the toy industry, but instead 
just profits off of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it is weird how, like, you know, not surprising, but just how backwards mm-hmm. the toy industry in particular still is. And but, but if you're, you know, in a place where you are helping to write a Toy Story movie, you can include something that you know will become a toy that kids can have. And yeah. that's, like, a cool power to use, not like a fucking loser. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who uh, was behind this movie? Um, because that might have Feminist something to do with John it. Lasseter. Yep. Also, yeah. um, so we've got written by credits from Joss Whedon, Andrew Stanton, Joel Cohen, uh, Alex. So I don't know. Uh, a man though. Um, <laughs> and then I don't know a man though. <laughs> And Almost the full production list of every movie. Uh, and then story by credits from John Lasseter, Pete Doctor, and Joe Ramft. So it's uh, a lot of men, um, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah. I mean, well, this is this was the first Pixar full movie. And there, if you're into Pixar lore, which I'm not, thank God... Um, but I, I've, I've, I, I did my homework. There is like all this before John Lasseter was canceled and they were still allowed to let him wear his hideous shirts in public. (laughs) He told the same story a million times about how he, and I believe it was three other men who were involved in the, you know, the ground floor of Pixar came up with all these story ideas, all of which became very famous Pixar movies. I think that went from Toy Story all the way up to Wall-E. Mm. Like they came up with 13, they just went to fucking brunch and <laughs> they planned out 13 years worth of movies. And it is extremely telling that that is the specific like amount of Pixar history that was written by three or sorry, three to four straight white guys mm-hmm. because in that entire era of Pixar, that's all the movies are about. That's literally, like, you don't get a lead female Pixar character until 2012 with Brave. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the first time. Um, And up until then, like, there are female characters, but they're never the the driving force of the movie mm-hmm. until after all those guys ran out of ideas. Um, is is Coco the first Pixar movie that's led by a person of color? Like it's just it takes. Yes, I, I think, think that that's so. true. Like it just takes ridiculously long for anyone in that is not like the standard that are the people who get to write movies to be included in this universe. Oh yeah, because they're not included like. Behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is <laughs> 11 p.m. on a school night, so we should uh, wrap up. Uh, there are preschool toys shortly. here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does anyone else have any final thoughts yeah, about the movie? They yeah. wanted to call uh, Bug's Life Bug Story. Oh. <laughs> I think that would have worked okay. And then, like, A Toy's Life. It's their second movie. Works out okay, title-wise. Wally life, Wally, Wally story, life. What? monster uh, story, monsters, rat story, university story. <laughs> <laughs> Should we take some uh, audience questions, comments before yeah, we write? Anyone, did we miss anything? Or, or you're, um, oh, here, wait, we're gonna. We want you to come up to the mic yeah, so it up. can get on the recording. So, so come yeah, on. Yes, form a queue. Come on down. Oh, that's perfect. Hi, what's your name? Hello, my name's Natalie. Hey. Hi. Hey. My question is. Do we think that animation and, as an extension, CGI sort of softens or, like, makes misogyny more cute? Sort of, like, Mm. makes it easier for maybe children and, like, all of us to digest. 
That's my question. Ooh. Hmm. I think that children's entertainment in general makes misogyny cuter. I don't know if it's, I mean, I think it is probably easier to do when it's an animated character, but I, I mean, there's very little, like, I wouldn't be like, well, li- live all live action children's entertainment is intersectional. <laughs> and I, <laughs> like, I think that you could pull any episode of Drake and Josh <laughs> and see some cutie pie misogyny. I, I think, yeah, there's just like all children and teen entertainment really couch it and just like, especially when it's like making characters that you like dismissive of women and not including them in any way, the way that like Woody does. But I think a lot of live action characters too. Sure. I definitely think that making cartoon anything, I mean, especially if you're talking like cartoon violence, that definitely makes it easier to, to go down than pushing a real wolf off a real cliff. True. Was and that your question? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes thank you. Okay. Yeah, thank, right. you. Right, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Hi. Hello. What's your name? Uh, Emily. Hi, Hi. Emily. Hi. Um, With regards to the moral framework of a toy society, um, Mm. do you think that they got their sort of treatment of women, like they treat Bo Peep, from watching their human creators? Are they born with it, created by them? Or is there like some sort of... In their toy society, is there some Is it nature or nerd? Like... Yes. (laughs) Well... That's a great question. Well, I mean, if we're judging off of, if the toys are learning about gender roles from Andy, that makes a lot of sense. Because maybe we are like, oh, Woody's an adult man, but we don't know that. Right. right. So so maybe Woody has just only seen his owner like treat women dismissively and damseled and just has this very narrow conception of the world. I don't know. But Andy is only that way because of the toys that are marketed to him. <laughs> so It's a snake eating its own tail. Yeah. <laughs> um, does that Yikes. answer your question? <laughs> I don't know. I like that like blew my mind. <laughs> I was just wondering if it was innate because like I haven't seen the movie in a while. But, you know, when Buzz is first brought to them, he's like a new toy. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember how he acted around Bo Peep, but, but was he oh. already like... He was kind of a clean slate towards everyone. I mean, e- even based on that, like, I don't know. <laughs> I think he doesn't respond sleep. to her any differently. In fact, yeah. like, he does He does his whole, like, flying around the room thing, and then Mr. Potato Head says, like, oh, I bet the dolls totally go for you. And Buzz is like, right. where is fucking Zorg who I'm trying to kill? <laughs> right. So, like, he doesn't, I don't think he, like, notices women. Which is also a problem, to not notice women. (laughs) But I mean, there's really not many women around to notice either. I I guess I'm down for the nurture argument there. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. All right, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Guys, it's 11-11. Wow, make a wish. (laughs) You gotta. (laughs) Hi. Hi. So those were some really great and thought-provoking questions. I don't have one of those. That's okay. <laughs> um, so when you cut the hair off of the Barbies, mm-hmm. were they more in charge? Than <gasps> yes! Oh, good question. <laughs> oh. Did they take over? They did, yeah. <laughs> that answers my question. <laughs> the Loftus rule is upheld. <laughs> Yet again. Yes. That was thought provoking. That was yeah. That don't sell yourself also short. Also, my mind. <laughs> Hi. Hi. It seems to me that uh, both Buzz and Woody 
their character arc focuses on them learning to deal with the fact that they're losing something that they didn't earn. So okay. do you think it's fair to say that both of them have two different sort of challenges of male entitlement? Oh, I, th- I think so. I think that, I mean, well... Wo- Basically, Woody is the incel, and Buzz is the Chad. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Oh. Finally, in terms I can understand. <laughs> incel talk, yes. I would, I mean, Woody is such an entitled character. Yes. Where when it, his, like, dominance in this fucked up society is challenged, he tries to kill someone. Right. He's like Stalin, like he's uh-huh. scary. And then Buzz, I mean, I don't know. I guess that Buzz, Buzz's deal is that he is very threatened and like his masculinity is challenged by that he is not the one and only Buzz Lightyear and that he is a part, like he's, he's a part of something larger than himself and mm-hmm. that upsets him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Chad insult thing really does. Yes. <laughs> That does. That hits. <laughs> what do you think, Caitlin? Yeah, no, I agree. The end. Damn. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I got you to agree with me. Wow. Uh, does this movie pass the Bechtel test? Gang? <laughs> One, two, three. No, no, it does not. Okay, there, hang on. Okay, there's, <laughs> a, there's a moment. Yeah. There's a moment in uh-huh. Sid's house whenever uh-huh. um, Hannah, Sid's sister, and then yes. Sid's, Sid's mother. Mom. Uh, uh, who we do not see on screen, right? And we're we're in the constant battle of like, is mom a character name? Because it's sort of treated the same as the way dad is. We don't know. In this case, I'm inclined to not cut them a break. But right. what is the what is the exchange? So Hannah says, "Mom, have you seen my Sally doll?" The mom from off screen says, "What was that, dear?" Said <laughs> <laughs> your pop tart is ready. <laughs> And then Hannah says, never mind, because she has just found Buzz, a.k.a. Mrs. Nesbitt. Yes. Um, So I would say because we don't even see the mom on screen, and that's like one of two lines she has, the other one being Pop-Tart related, (laughs) I would... I don't really want to give that a pass, no. but it is it, it is about a Sally doll, and, and it's not about men. But then Hannah says, never mind, because she sees a male she toy. So who she decides as Mrs. Nesbitt. That's true. So that, I mean. But Buzz still identifies as male, as far as we yes. can tell, even when he is dressed as Mrs. Nesbitt. Yes. Yes. No, it doesn't pass. The second one doesn't pass either. But in the fourth one, they put pants on her, so problem solved. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, should we rate the movie on a nipple scale? Let's do zero it. Zero to five nipples based yes. on its portrayal of women. It's like between a zero and a half nipple. I think I'm going to go with a half just because the movie isn't outwardly hateful toward women. Because <laughs> I feel like the movies that we give like a zero to... Uh, yeah, zero has to be contempt. Contemptuous of women. Murder. This movie just ignores and or erases women's existence. So oh, that's fine. So that's actually okay. Five. And I like that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'll give it, I'll bump it up to a half nipple because of that. 
But yeah, this movie, there was no reason why there could not be more, you know, female coded toys. Uh, there was no reason that different of the other female characters who are introduced and exist in the story already couldn't have a more significant narrative impact. The toys are all white. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as most toys are in real life, which is another extremely fucked up thing. Uh, I'll give my half nipple, uh, I guess, to Sid's mom, who's just trying her best with what she's got. And True. she, <laughs> there is a fan theory where she and Andy's dad elope. Yes. <laughs> oh, I think it's that Sid might actually be the child. Of Andy's dad. Well, and that's why they Sid couldn't afford a second child yeah. mold. <laughs> well, also, I mean, between Sid and Andy looking pretty much the same, there's some shared DNA there. There's um, Maybe there's, what's like the, a there's one woman who who is a producer on this movie. I'm forgetting her name. Oh, she has oh, a theory that both Sid and Andy down. are John Lasseter. His in, his inner children. Oh, yeah. gross. I don't want to know what that That's is. That's a like. hard pass yeah. for me. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with a half nip as well. I don't. It's a bummer. I because I, I do like. I mean, I think this is like a classic case of a movie that no one dislikes. Mm-hmm. Really, like everyone has a soft spot for this movie. I still I still really love it. I'm gonna see Same. the new one. Yeah. I'm gonna cry when instructed. I'm a, f- I'm a fucking idiot. I'll do what I'm told. <laughs> but I mean, upon further, I mean, I think that this movie is just very thoroughly an unchallenging product of its time, where it's 1995. We're presented with like an upper middle class white family that challenges nothing, mm-hmm. um, and has contempt for anyone poorer than them, and thinks they're villains. Right. Um, so, you know, I just like it's just it it doesn't really challenge anything, but I but it I just think it's like d- kind of doofy and dumb. Like I, I don't think it's out to really get anyone, but it's just there it's clear that no one involved in the production uh, or there are very few people involved in the production that had a different perspective or or it, you know, very simple things could have been switched to make it a more inclusive and fun movie to watch. Totally. So I'll give it a half nippy. I'm going to give it to Hannah because, God damn it, mm. I think that there there was more for her to do, justice for Hannah. Also, there is a flash forward scene in Toy Story 3 where Sid is like a very cheerful garbage man. Yeah. Make of that what you will. <laughs> There's another fan theory for that, though. There <laughs> so Sid is the only one who knows that toys can talk, and this haunts him into adulthood. But then he develops an altruistic side that... Uh, that he wants to rescue toys from the he trash. He wants to save them from the trash, and that's why he's the trash man. What I think is that John Lasseter hates poor people. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I'm going to second both that. of these. I'm, I'm giving a similar rating. Uh, maybe I'm at like a 0.7 nipple. Whoa. Okay, wow. Precise. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it just, I, again, I don't think it's meant to be hurtful, but so many times when people are excluded, you know, no one's trying to be hurtful. They just have very limited worldviews. Um, I'm going to give it to Mrs. Nesbitt. Ooh, very good. An icon. Yes. <laughs> I wish she had a spinoff. 
with Rex. <laughs> I think Rex is the best character in the movie. Anyway, uh, <laughs> definitely the most emotionally complex. He feels it so much. He feels sad that he has guilt. Right. When he turns against Woody. Very oh. relatable, full of regret and guilt yes. for, for nothing. Love it. Really Amazing. the most close analog for a woman's experience. There's True. no reason Just that Rex like couldn't have been. If we were going to make a woman toy. I, I mean, Rex is constantly Rex. apologizing for Have you ever seen Jurassic no Park where all the dinosaurs are female? Hello. <laughs> That's true. Well, oh, my God. Can I give you one more fact to, clo- to close us yes. with? Please. <laughs> Joss Whedon saw Jurassic Park in the middle of making Toy Story, and that's why Rex is there at all. Oh, wow. And I assume that's why Scud the dog, like, pops his nose out from around a door. It's got to be the raptors in the kitchen. There's a direct uh, Jurassic Park reference in Toy Story 2 when they're riding through a toy store, and Rex is, like, coming up behind them in the mirror of the... The side view mirror, it's, it's wonderful. Um, anyway. Guys, I'm bored of these. Yes. Uh, okay. No, no. <laughs> Jurassic Park is cool. Um, I think that's our show. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you for coming. Please give it up for Sadie. Thank you for having give me. Up for wonderful guest. Give it up for the Women in Comedy Festival. For the Rockwell. Give it up for yourselves. Thanks for coming. Have a good night. Bye. Okay, that was Toy Story live in both Philadelphia and Boston. Wow, magic. Yeah. Uh, so we want to thank Sadie for being our guest. Uh, you can check out her band Speedy Ortiz or her solo work. She's on Twitter and Instagram at sad13, S-A-D-1-3, get it? Mm. Um, and her incredible band Speedy Ortiz is on tour right now. Uh, the next couple of dates, uh, if you happen to live in any of these places they'll be in brooklyn new york tonight june 20th at industry city june 28th they'll be at logan square arts festival in chicago june 29th sleeping village in chicago july 7th rebel in toronto and july 8th warehouse concert hall in st Catharines, canada they've got more dates you can check out their website to find out more what's their website you can go to speedyortiz.com to find further tour dates and thank you so much to sadie for being our guest indeed hey speaking of plugs oh we got more (laughs) well we just have you know ours the usual follow us on twitter instagram facebook uh you can rate and review us on what is no longer called itunes it is now apple podcasts yeah sure something happened there i don't know Anyway, using well, go there <laughs> and don't read what the MRAs leave in our comment yeah. section. Write nice things about us, please. <laughs> uh, we have our Patreon, aka Matreon, at patreon.com/slash/bechtelcast. Five dollars a month will give you two bonus episodes a month and access to the complete back catalog. So you're getting upwards of fifty additional Bechtel casts. So many, so including many. this month is pregnancy june Uh, pregnancy are we familiar with it (laughs) maybe not june ever heard of it (laughs) put them together you get pregnancy june and it's very fucked up we 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 have our knocked episode that just came out and later in the month stay tuned for obvious child yes Um, also we've got our merch store also on bechtelcast.com where you can see information about us about our upcoming live shows and of course like i said our merch store but you can also go to tpublic.com slash the for all of 
the designs. Uh, so uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. We hope that you listened to the very end of the plugs or you're, or you're not a real fan. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.